This is Dave of Live Life Loud, the Decibolic Podcast, and you're listening to Pods Like Us with Marv. to pods like us bite size i'm martin cabone known to my friends as marv this will be the second part of the three-part talk with lonnie pena from the beatles related show when they was fab here we start with me asking lonnie about his experiences as a musician So you've played in bands over the years as well then, and I'm guessing gigged in various places? Oh, yeah. I played, I, I play, I don't know how many, you know, when I was 16, 17, played in neighborhood bands, played at community centers, uh, played at a park in Houston, all in Houston. Um, in, the, in the 80s, I played in several bands, a cover band in the early 80s called the Hypocrites. We played New Wave and... Later in the 80s, I played at a, a band called The Outlets, and it was an all-original band. Yeah. Between myself and my buddy, we wrote um, the music and the lyrics. And that, was, uh, that was fun. I took some time off in the 90s to, ha- to get married and have kids, so I didn't play for about 10 years or so. And then um, the last decade, 2003, um, with my buddies that were in the Hypocrites, the early 80s band, we we got a reunion together. And, and so it was Hypocrites Y2K. <laughs> um, and then uh, still play with those guys, you know. Um, my songwriting partner is named Leon. We still write music to this day. Yeah. And uh, just, yeah, we just play. We play at festivals. We played at charity events. And anywhere that they would have us, we'll play on the sidewalk if we have to. Cool. So it, it's fun. It's nothing like there's just no feeling uh, to me uh, playing music in front of a live crowd, which uh, I hope we get to do do so again soon. Me too. I hope so as well. It's awful not being able to go out and see live bands at, at the moment. Yeah. So hopefully uh, that will change soon with the the vaccine as it as it's uh, being distributed but uh yeah i miss i miss live music 
miss it a lot. So, and any stories of you supporting any, you know, um, any big bands or bands on the way up that you've that you've made friends with during those times? Oh no, we just played local, uh, a lot of regional bands, but uh, we played at a club uh, in Houston, um, Montrose area, and now um, I can't remember the band's name. Darn, they, they would play there, but we never played with them. Uh, they went on to, to have, uh, have a big hit at the time. But I, I, for some reason, I'm a blank. Sorry, Mark. <laughs> That's okay. The, the, guy, the guy, the lead singer had a mohawk. Um, and I just can't remember the name now. But they, they, they had a couple of hit records back in the 80s. Wow. Uh, but yeah, no one notable. It was all local, regional stuff. And just, just to have fun. At one time, I thought I was going to be a rock star, you know, <laughs> but I ended up being a rock star only in my the cul-de-sac where I lived, and that was it. Yeah, it's like I say uh, on my Instagram page, I've put, uh, was it, uh, security officer at night, uh, yeah. rock, rock star when time allows me, <laughs> something like that. Yeah, I, I worked security more for many years. Yeah. Uh, for 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 many years, and I think I was most creative while uh, being a security at, at a manufacturing plant. Yeah, it's that many hours that I, I that I um, and I worked night shift, and so you had a lot of time. I had a lot of time, at least, to be uh, to be creative and to write music, you know, and and so forth. Write lyrics. Those were fun, fun times. Absolutely. I, I miss those times when I used to be on a site like that at night and I could take advantage of that time, which I, yeah, I, I can't we, do in my present job. Yeah, so we, I would work night shifts from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. And we get, we get we a lot of hours back in the day. <laughs> this was in the late 70s and, and through the uh, mid-80s. I wrote and recorded a lot of demos back in those times. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I used to take my two cassettes to 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 work because it was night shift; nobody would be around. And I would do little ping pongs between cassettes, and I had a little Radio Shack mixer. <laughs> I would record. I would take my guitar to work. I mean, there was nobody around, literally. Absolutely. Uh, and uh, you know, I'd be I'd be uh, run off. The property if i did that today <laughs> <laughs> definitely so how did you first meet uh, meet ed then and how did he get you to uh, join him for when they was fab oh well I, i've known ed uh, i met him um when when i was uh, i mentioned earlier about you know i had vhs and vcrs and i would we would swap tapes with, with people all over the world. So yeah, I met Ed somehow through a fan magazine and um, I just can't remember which magazine, but, um, but he happened to be Houston. And so uh, I, I met up with him and we swapped tapes. He had some videos I didn't have and so forth. That's how I met him. Uh, he's much younger than me. So I, I think at the time he was maybe still in college. Okay. Um, this was about 1989, 1990, somewhere around there. Um, and then, yeah, and then I lost track of him, um, you know, with, with marriage and kids and whatnot. 
And then just a few years ago, maybe it was 2015 or 2016, uh, I ran into him at a, at a movie theater where they were showing some Beatles. Uh, it was a Beatle event going on. And uh, he approached me and he asked me if, if I would be uh, susceptible and, uh, you know, to maybe joining him on his podcast. I think he had just lost or he was changing his format. He had a he had a podcast called Beatling About. Yep. And he was going through some changes with his co-host. So he was looking for, you know, another person. And he changed the name from that Beatling About to when they was fab. And I said, sure. I said, I'm really a behind the scenes kind of guy. I don't really like talking in front of them. I don't sing, so I'm not, I don't really like being in front of a microphone. When I play out in front of people, I'm on my guitar. I don't, I don't have to worry about singing or anything. Yeah. And, um, but I gave it a shot though. And this was, like I said, uh, this must be going on four years now. Um, it may have been, yeah, early 2016. And I'm not good with dates any longer. I, I can remember dates, Mark, back in the 70s and yeah. 80s. Yeah. <laughs> but the, the last 10 years, dates kind of fly by, and I forget what year it is, you know. Um, yeah, and so, uh, yeah, he's, Ed is the host. Um, I'm sort of like, I'm a co-host, but I just dart in every once in a, a while. <laughs> <laughs> I give him some moral support. And... Uh, we, we just chit chat. I mean, it's just a conversation that we have uh, on, on those on those topics that we decide to do. Um, had a little rough year last year, you know, with my move yeah. uh, to California and I lost a few people, not not to COVID, but to other things. So I wasn't able to make a, as many shows as I wanted to last year. So hopefully this year to be smoothed out a little bit. And um I can continue to support um, the co-host position with, with the show. I, th I think one thing that's changed recently that that's helped is the addition of uh, Ethan Alexanian, and I think that uh, that's made the conversation uh, seem seem to me when I listen to the show three where now all three of you are just just chatting away like three friends chatting about something that you love. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And Ethan, I tell you, you know, he's a young man. I don't think he's 18, maybe 19. And I mean, he knows his stuff. He does. He knows his music. And what amazes me, is it's not music that, you know, of, of the last 20 years. It's music from the 60s, 70s. So he, he's very, he, he's impressed me. Let me just say that. He's really impressed me. He's a fine young man. Absolutely. And then we have guests, you know, every every once in a while we'll have a like like your show, if you have guests obviously every week or every every episode and, and we try to have a, a guest on that we can we can uh, interview and that helps. That that sparks things up and makes things interesting. Um, and Ed does Ed has done this show every week. It's you know, it's a weekly podcast. And so I have to I have to hand it to Ed. That's that's pretty amazing. I don't if I if I had to do a show myself, it would not be weekly. No, no. I would get bogged down with production because it's not right. I would always think something is wrong. 
it's not perfect. That would be my problem. Well, Ed is very good at what he does with producing the show and put it together. You know how you, because uh, I know that you, you record over Zencaster and then he takes those separate files and then he edits those yes. together. I mean, what what he does with those files is 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 brilliant, really. And the fact that he does it every week and he's done it now for I think six years, including the Beatle in About days. Yes, that's 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 amazing to never miss a week. In all it's, that time. it's very focused, very focused. And like I said, I, I couldn't do that. Uh, so I, my hat's off to him for, you know, his his because his passion. You got to have a passion for it. Yeah. But um, also the focus uh, on, on being able to do that, because that does take time, as you know, in post-production. I think one of the shows that may be coming out uh, soon uh he told me that there there was a lot of edits, like 300 edits. Yes. Yeah. In the show, and it's like wow, and he can do that. That's pretty amazing. I'll just scrap it. You know, I get so frustrated. I'll probably scrap it and say, "What? You know, let's do it again." <laughs> yeah. Because I, I remember when I did that show, uh, that episode <laughs> of when they was fab uh, with Ed when when you weren't around and uh, yeah and. So we were recording it, and I was actually doing songs while we were recording it, and then I could hear the quality of it myself while we were recording it. And I mean, this is sort of like take you know, yeah. moving away the curtain so that people can actually see that what goes on. Uh, yeah. Then I actually re-recorded those clips separately, and and then sent those as separate files to Ed so that he could actually put them in edit them in where, yeah. they, where they should have gone in the program and um okay yeah. i see yeah i see what you mean yeah you gotta you know had to re-record it it's kind of like what paul mccartney did with uh wings over america <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't actually live what i know i know <laughs> but it's still it's still a great album Oh, I love it! I, got the, I was at the concert in '76. Saw May the May the fourth. Can't remember now. May the fourth, May the fifth, nineteen seventy-six, in Houston, Texas. Best concert I've. At, at, up to that point, it was one of the best concerts I've ever been to. First time I ever saw a laser light show. And uh, oh, it was awesome! It was awesome concert. Got to see the Beatles for the first time. <laughs> So, when when were you first introduced to music then, and what sort of music were you introduced to? Well, it was it was uh, I was a teenager. Yeah. Um, it it you know I wasn't into music in the sixties. You know when the Beatles appeared on Ed Sullivan in February the ninth, nineteen sixty four. I was five years old, yeah. uh, and I don't remember seeing it. I'm sure I saw it because every TV in America. Our family watched Ed Sullivan, but I don't remember that at all. I do remember the, the following year when they played on Ed Sullivan in 1965. I was six years old, yeah. soon to be seven. I clearly remember that, but I, but again, I wasn't into music. I was into, um, you know, G.I. Joe. <laughs> I was into playing, you know, outside with my friends yeah. although my two older brothers much older than me were jazz musicians 
I never did have a liking for jazz, although I do now. But back then, I didn't. And my sister, who's older, much older, she she loved Motown. So that was always in my house, jazz and Motown. But no, it wasn't until I was 13, and that was uh, in 1971, when uh, for Christmas, my, my parents bought me my first record player. Okay. It was a Philco. It was made by Ford. <laughs> yeah, Ford made record players. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I got record player, and then I, I got my first albums were Harry Nilsson, Nilsson Smilson, yeah. uh, Santana with the Outreach Hand cover, um, Isaac Hayes, uh, the soundtrack to, to Shaft, yes, and uh, Jesus Christ Superstar, a double album. Wow, those were my first albums. Wow, yeah, yeah, and then my brother that year for Christmas he gave me the guitar. His guitar, that Ventura, Gretsch uh, copy, and I was, and then I was into a lot of progressive rock, you know, Yes, Yes, ELP, uh, Genesis. Back with, with that when Peter Gabriel was with Genesis, I love those music. Anything with a synthesizer, Marv, <laughs> I, I was into. There was a band called Flash. I don't know if you ever heard of this band called Flash, but it, it was some members of Yes that were previously with Yes in that band. Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I have all their albums. They did like three, I think, uh, in the 70s. Um, so, uh, yeah, and then, but things changed, though. In the fall of 1972, I went to a flea market, a little rummage sales, and with a buddy of mine, and we, we came across uh, a vendor selling albums. And so my buddy pulled out, put a used album of Meet the Beatles. Okay. And I looked over. I said, what, what, are you, what is that? He said, what's the Beatles? Said, oh, yeah, I remember the Beatles. I remember listening to the music when I was a kid. You know, I want to hold your hand. Hey, Jude. It would play on the radio. Yeah. I said, why are you getting that? And my buddy had a... Had, had an older brother. He says, well, I, I, I broke my older brother's copy years ago, and I'm going to buy this for him. I said, okay. So went back to my house, and uh, he said, let's play the record. Play the record. And I, I still have that album to this day. I said, can I borrow the album? I never <laughs> gave it back to him. <laughs> and that's 72, fall of 72. That changed my life right there. Yeah. I fell in love with that Meet the Beatles in 72. How many years is that? Six, seven, eight years after it was released. Wow. Wow. And by 73, by 1973, I, I, I bought all the Beatle albums. Adam, some were new, some were used. Some were on Apple label, some were on the original Capitol label in, in the States. You know, there were more albums in the States than in, than in Europe. Yeah. Um, and had all the solo albums up to that point. By 73, I, I, I had purchased the Red and Blue album came out, and I think in April, by May, Red Rose Speedway was out. And so and then I, in that summer of 73, there was uh, there was uh, uh, George Harrison's uh, Living in Material World. Yeah. And John Lennon, later that in the summer, I think it was Mind Games. And then Ringo, the Ringo album, 
you know, the, the famous, were, the, it was supposed to be a reunion yeah. with the Beatles. They all contributed to it. Yeah, I never looked back. From 73 on to today, that's been my passion, that music. And everybody who knows me knows the music that I like. That that's amazing then, because then so, seventy one, seventy two, seventy three, you went from not having anything musical music at all to all of a sudden, within the space of less than three years, being one hundred percent into music. Yeah, you know, and those were those were teenage. You know, I was a teenager, thirteen. I was coming coming to maturity, I guess, and seeing the world in a different way. Uh, in seventy one, my hair was parted to the side. By seventy three, my hair was in the middle, and I let it grow down to my shoulders. <laughs> I was a hippie, as, as you do. <laughs> I was a hippie. There's there I'm, uh, there there may be some photographs of my hair, you know, down to my shoulders somewhere. And that waist was what, 28 waist? Wow. Or 26 inch waist. Those were the days. And I, I think I weighed every, every, my weight was every bit of, you know, maybe 115 pounds. Wow. Which I don't know what that would convert to. No, I, I don't but actually it, either, no. It, it wouldn't be much, believe me. <laughs> <clears throat> but yeah, I was, I was highly influenced by music by that point. And, um, I learn. I play rock because it was easy, right? Okay. Yep. Four chords, three chords, really. Yep. You know, E, A, and D. It's all you need. So, so you weren't interested in learning some of those jazz chords, then, as they called it. Well, my brother, he gave me the guitar, and I think a couple of weeks later, he came by, and he was he was going to sh- give me some music theory because both of my older brothers can read music. Okay. You know, like they're just they're just amazing. And I, you know what, <laughs> it just went over my head. I said, I can't do this. Triads and some kind of other stuff. And, you know, every good boy does fine. What's the F-A, F-A-C-E? Oh, every good Memorize boy. Memorize the notes, you know, yeah. on the staff. <laughs> I said, heck with it. I cannot do that. It takes time. And I want to be able to play now. Yes, yeah. Yeah, they're trying to you know they're trying I mean? to teach you teach you uh, melody, and you're saying just give me the chord so I can play the song. Yes, just play the song. That was the beauty of the Beatles. I could, you know, I had forty fives on the record player, and you know, I played the song over and over. Day Tripper. I remember playing Day Tripper and learning the the intro and picking up the needle and starting the needle back at the beginning again, over and over till I got the notes just right, yeah. and then I could. play along with the song that was the beauty of it absolutely it's the things we did back then I, I remember the first time i learned how to play junk by paul mccartney i was so excited because oh. <laughs> that is not an easy song to, to to play but no it's not it's not i played it before yeah i was playing it back when it came out and uh well I, actually i picked up that that album a couple of years after it was released Pick that one up, and then Ram. I love Ram. That that is one of my favorite McCartney albums. There's a lot of memories other than the music that is associated with that album for me. Uh, back in '72, '73. So it's just not all about the music. It's about the memories and the time of the people and relationships. So that that's uh, 
yeah, one of my favorite albums for many reasons. Okay, I'd like to thank Lonnie again for chatting with me. You can get the third and final part of that conversation with Lonnie in the next episode of Pods Like Us Bite Size. Now we're going to look at the subject of celebrity shows. Again, this is another topic that we'll no doubt return to because there are so many of them out there. But for now, I'll pick um, five as usual. And the first one up is called Brian Blessed's Bedtime Stories, where the actor most famously known as uh, Voltan the King of the Hawkmen in the Flash Gordon film, Mike Hodges directed and starring Sam Jones. I know that's just a bit of trivia that's nothing to do with the, the show I'm talking about, but um, anyway, Brian tells some altered versions of famous bedtime stories, uh, which are in a manner that is definitely not for children. And it is hilariously funny. Trying to think of some examples off the top of my head at the moment. Um, I know there's a uh, Goldilocks and the Three Bears where she, she breaks into the house, and it's uh, you know it's it's almost looking at it in a realistic view in a way. But uh, that is a lot of fun. So that yeah, that's uh, Brian Blessed's bedtime stories. Secondly, there is uh, Digging Deep with Robert Plant where the ex-Led Zeppelin lead singer tells stories behind a different song each episode from his incredible more than 50 years of being in the business. It's a fascinating insight into how songs were created and little stories behind that as well. It's just, yep, interesting. The third one is uh, Here's the Thing with Alec Baldwin. Uh, This sees the actor Alec Baldwin speaking with a different person each time to find out what's happened in that person's careers to make them who they are, give them the career that they've got and occasionally goes into difficult times in their lives which the title sort of alludes to really because that is the thing. The fourth show is Something Rhymes With Purple and this is one show that both me and Louise both listen to together as we uh, love words. In this programme, the uh, celebrity raconteur Charles Brandreth, who's also chairman, I think it is, of the British uh, Scrabble Championships or something like that, I think, I can't remember exactly, along with the lexicographer uh, Susie Dent, they delve into the history of words and also try to bring some old words back by suggesting to people that they start using them again. Finally, there's the uh, Corona Diaries with Steve Hogarth, where the Marillion frontman discusses his career as a singer, and as he is a big diarist himself, he reads a portion each episode from his diaries Ant Short questions him about certain things in the diaries and also about other things as well during the episode. Ant was a guest on episode 11 during season 1 
of pods like us. Anyway, hopefully you'll find something in those five that will grab your attention and you'll you'll have a dig into and uh, check out for yourselves. Anyway, thank you for listening. I hope you listen again and take care.